I had a great conversation with Adam Trawek of Amogee Bank in Houston, Texas. Uh, as a banker, Adam was able to give us more of a layperson's perspective of the IC disc and how they use it as a potential differentiator when they're talking to potential clients. And lastly, we talked about it from a technical perspective of different ways that a bank can structure uh, the client's loan documents and loan covenants to encompass the IC disc. Uh, wide-ranging interview and uh, really enjoyed talking to Adam. I think you'll find him to be uh, a very bright, bit very um, down-to-earth I hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Adam. Hi, Dave. How are you today? I'm doing fine. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Well, thank you for joining me on the IC Disc Show. And we we are live and recording. Wonderful. Yeah. So, um... So what I'd uh, just to give a little uh, overview. Uh, uh, Adam Trawick is. Uh, are you senior VP now? Senior vice title? president. Yes. Yeah. Senior yeah. vice president at Amogee Bank of Texas, and um, and so we're going to learn a little more about his background and get kind of a banker's perspective of uh, the IC disc. So uh, why don't we start at the beginning? Where uh, where are you from? So I like to say all over Texas, and what that really is a, a nice way of saying is a bunch of small towns all over Texas. Um, I'd say the most of, most of the time right outside of Houston uh, in a small town, East Bernard, and uh, but close enough to Houston to still feel like I could be part of the city. Okay. That's excellent. And so you uh, went to high school there in East Bernard? High school, East Bernard. And then uh, after high school, ended up at Rice University uh, in Houston and um, got an economics degree from Rice. And I understand you, I understand you were a, a fireball throwing fastball pitcher. Is that correct? <laughs> On the baseball team? <laughs> Well, uh, pitcher and baseball team out of that sentence. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the, the, the fireball, uh, part of it. Plus, so I was, uh, uh, was a little soft tossing left-handed pitcher and, uh, but I really enjoyed my time there and had a, had a ton of great experiences, um, made a lot of, of really good and lifelong friends, uh, from my time on the team. And we had a, we had a lot of fun and, a lot of good, a lot of good guys, and and great coaches too. That's great. That is great. So then you graduated from there, and then you went straight to Amogee. Is that correct? Straight to Amogee. Yes, I've been there ever since. So. Um, and that's I, uh, what ten, twelve years ago. How long is it, have you been at Amogee? Almost thirteen. Okay. And yeah, uh, go ahead. I was going to say I started in. Um, in the officer training program, the bank has a has a, a developmental program for uh, for college grads that they hire a couple times a, a year for, and 
being like many 22 and 23 year olds right out of college, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I think looking back, it turns out I, I don't know that I really had any clue what I really wanted to do at the time. Sure. But so how did, why did you pick Amogee? Was it because of the officer development program that uh, drew you to the bank or are there other things? It was um, the the, uh, the chance to go somewhere and be trained and, and given a skill set uh, and some exposure to uh, to different industries and uh, and to finance at a deeper level uh, was was really appealing. But also, I um, the interview process was really enjoyable. I get to meet with. Um, some really senior people around the bank and uh and really get a a great feel for the for the culture and uh and how they approach banking and business and just there were there were multiple uh, components of that that just really rang true uh, and joined them and i'm so glad i did i i uh i'm not sure if i got lucky or if i was all that insightful or what but i i uh, been a great run oh that is that is great and i guess as the kind of circle of life goes i think in in the last few years haven't you been involved in that program more in the mentor or instructor level very much uh, more so i it's something that the the bank believes strongly in is is engaging a lot of the young bankers in the recruiting effort um, and that can mean Anything from on-campus interviews to uh, showing interns and uh, and potential candidates around the bank uh, when they've come for their interview days, um, all the way to uh, decision committees on uh, uh, and and working with our our HR partners and um, getting offers out, and with our college recruiting team getting offers out to uh, to the various candidates. But yeah, I've had a, a little bit more of a leadership role over the last uh, couple of years uh, and that's been a lot of fun really rewarding um i uh, make this comment every year i i look at the candidates that we hire and uh and just how sharp they are and how well prepared they are to, to enter the job market in so many ways and uh kind of joke with some of my colleagues and say man i'm, I'm glad i'm not competing against them for uh, as, a, as a as a fellow potential banker, because I don't know that I'd get hired today. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's uh, it's good you you got in when you did. <laughs> Absolutely. So your your uh, your title is senior vice president, but what does that translate to? What's your current role at the bank? What do you what do you do? Do you manage a team? Uh, tell me about that. I I, I do, um, and so I. I uh I love the I love the term player coach. Uh, it it applies in so many ways. I I think kind of old old school baseball there were there were people that were player coaches up until the 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 40s and 50s uh 1940s and 50s in baseball and not not so much anymore in baseball but in the job force very much uh player coach. I I think uh I think being able to be a player coach really helps keep your perspective grounded ground and in, in uh in some of the some of the day-to-day challenges and uh some of the the real work going on um, at at a at 
a level, either one or two levels, kind of junior to you. And that's a that's a good tool to use in uh, in how you manage your team. And so I I get the privilege of working with a team of uh, about eight here um, outside of the officer training program. And these are real life bankers um, and support staff. And um, they, we have an experience level really across the board. We've got two year bankers on my team and and we've got 35 and 40 year bankers on my team and uh, some really some really talented people. I, the, the the fun part about the team is there's such a, a diverse skill set and diverse experience background among that that range um, that that really brings a lot of uh, a lot of unique perspective to to how we tackle problems for customers on a daily basis. Yeah, no, I've uh, I've seen that firsthand. I mean, in the interest of full disclosure, I've been a customer of the banks for for several decades, so I'm uh, I am certainly familiar with that. Uh, Team work uh, approach to uh, to customer service, and we you, appreciate what, your business. <laughs> well, you're welcome. What what do you mo- what do you most like about being a banker? I I think every day I'm amazed by the entrepreneurial minds in our state, in our city, in our country, and how so many people come up with unique ways to solve problems and 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 start a business to do just that and it that i guess that description maybe sounds a little technology and uh and intellectual property focused and it's really not it it can be it could be as simple as um a, a a dirt contractor and somebody who pushes dirt around with heavy equipment for a living uh, all the way to some, some really, uh, really intricate manufacturing processes and everything in between. Um, so it's, it is, it's so cool to be able to work with, um, with company owners and, um, and privately held companies um, to help them grow, to help them uh, impact more families, to help them, uh, achieve the, the kind of the lifestyle and the goals that they have set out for in their lives. And uh, that's just super rewarding. Yeah, I, uh, I, I know the feeling and I've, uh, and I've seen that firsthand with uh, clients of ours that I've introduced you to that, uh, uh, that enthusiasm you have of working with those, uh, those entrepreneurs. Hey, while I think of it, um, because our, our listeners are not all in the Houston area. So Amogee Bank of Texas is a bank that's based, the headquarters are in Houston, Texas, but it's part of a larger banking organization, Zion Bank Corp. Is that correct, Adam? That's Zion right. Zion, yeah, Zion's Bank Corporation out of Salt Lake City, Utah, and Amogee is one of about seven uh, affiliate banks. Um, we all fall under Zion's, but we have a, a decentralized um, model in, in in so many ways, and so have different flags under the kind of the western states, Texas and Amagee are the farthest east, um, and so kind of Texas and east is uh, is really the footprint all the way through New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona, uh, Utah, Nevada, California. 
a little bit in Idaho and Washington, Oregon. So the 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 bulk of the uh, of the headcount and the uh, and the kind of the lending assets are in California, Texas, and Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, and you're based in Houston. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I just realized I was uh, remiss there. So, uh, well, since this is the IC Disc show, uh, I guess we need to talk some IC Disc. And so we've got about 30 minutes left. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Can you take 30 minutes to share all the knowledge you have of IC Disc? No, I'm, well, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> two, min- two minutes sounds better. Okay. So, uh, so, uh, you know, given that you're not a CPA, how do, how do you describe the IC disc like to your customers and potential customers, you know, as a banker, you know, which is more of a of a higher level overview? But how do you typically uh, describe it to folks? So I'll I'll start off first in a little different way before I get to the description, I, and I I start off with a question. I I think it, it's important as a banker to understand uh, the revenue mix of particular clients and kind of where where revenue comes from, where their customer comes from. And uh, if they're making a product or performing a service, where the product is going or where the service is coming from. And if at any point along that that line of discovery, we uncover a, um, a, a good or service that has an international component to it, um, whether they're selling directly to the international market or international companies or not, we immediately know to consider the IC disc as a as a potential um, tool for them to use uh, to to gain some tax advantages um, that they might otherwise not be able to. Um, and I I think I think the description of an IC disc is simple. So whenever we do identify an opportunity or are asking that question, we 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 refer to the the disc by name and then if they ask for more we say, well look, it's a it's a uh, uh an export tax incentive program that has really been around a long time through uh the IRS tax code. Um many TPA firms, specialty uh, tax advising firms use that product and various forms or functions. It is, uh, it's a product that's not meant for every situation, but if it does fit your particular situation, it's really a great benefit from a tax strategy standpoint in, uh, in taking advantage of, uh, of a, a longstanding tax program. Okay. Well, that's a, a, a nice, succinct way to, uh, uh, to describe it. Uh, so what, in your experience, uh, I mean, other than the, you know, some export, uh, revenue threshold, uh, what types of companies have you seen that it works best for? Does it, uh, you know, is there a particular ownership structure you see or, uh, you know, kind of a mindset of the owner or you know, who does it, who does it seem like it's, uh, works best for? Well, I, I'd say certainly privately held companies, um, uh... And maybe that's not exclusive, but I think predominantly what we see is privately held companies um, where, and a lot of times that's single owner. 
Um, I think I can think of a couple of situations offhand where it's not single owner, but predominantly single owner. And generally, it's an owner that um, has a has a creative mindset, for lack of a better a better term. They they can see the value in um, in executing a, a unique strategy and really want to go and, and, and pursue uh, something that that is new and that they may have not heard about from their CPA and, and their trusted advisor um, who may be with a firm that may or may not provide the service. Uh, so I, I think I think that type of situation, um, other than that, uh, I mean, uh, it's I think there's a pretty wide net of uh, of of companies and kind of different personalities and type of individuals that can um, that that we've seen be open and 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 willing to uh, to use the disc. Okay, but it's a but it 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 certainly helps if the owner you know has a creative mindset or, or an outside the box mindset to even be willing to entertain. Uh, you know, a novel idea. Is that right? Absolutely. And that's kind of back to the, to the entrepreneur mindset. I think those, those two go hand in hand. Now that, that, uh, that makes sense. And that's been my uh, experience as well. So how do you, you know, strategically incorporate the disc into your service offerings? And I suppose, I guess before you answer that, um, I know that that uh, that the bank strategy is to try to add value to their customers, whether it's a, a product that they offer or not. Uh, is that accurate? But that, that's right. Um, I, I, I will say. So there's a lot of you know, so there's a lot of recommendations or introductions you all will make, right? That, for, that that's accurate. I we, we're we are. Uh, we're in business to be able to help our customers solve problems kind of no matter what that what that problem is and so it, we're not doing our job as bankers if we don't understand uh ancillary product offerings from a variety of sources out there whether that be uh you know tax advice or M&A advice or insurance advice um except, and the list goes on but I I, I think that's kind of, that's part of the job of a banker is to understand where they can uh, where they can help a client uh, who might be experiencing a problem. Okay, that's 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 perfect. And so that I'm guessing that creative mindset you talk about is not really just for the disc, but really for any other ways you can help them. Right? You can't help somebody who doesn't uh, want your help. That that's right. Or um, I guess maybe a different way to say it is you can't uncover opportunities to help unless you ask the right questions. Okay. Yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, Okay. But, but I think back, I think to your, to your original question around just, you know, how we incorporate the IC disc into our service offerings. um, It's really it's really easy. It's about asking that question. So back to the original mm-hmm. exploration, we're we're meeting with a, a, a potential client of the bank or or an actual client of the bank. Um, we we 
we really try to understand their business in in a variety of aspects, and that includes uh, their you know, their sources of revenue and their customer base. And if it feels like an opportunity for IC Disc, I'm not an IC Disc expert by any means, and uh, my two minute explanation uh, doesn't go very far. And so it's it's really about getting the right person, the right team, and the right group of people involved um, to consider whether that the disc makes sense for that individual company. Um, and uh, but I but I think as far as how we use it to differentiate ourselves, um, I mean we we structure a a uh, an offering whenever we come in and we talk about a loan or deposit or or some other product or service that the bank's going to offer, we we look for other ways to to make a uh, a, a relational difference uh, with that company. And if that means introducing them to someone who's outside the bank where the bank doesn't make any money off of a particular introduction, well, that's okay. It's good for the client. And hopefully they, they kind of see how we do business and that we um, – we have interests that align with them being more successful and that that incentivizes them to come and uh, and and consider us as a as a banking partner long term um, and in fact i can think of a of of one situation earlier in my career where uh, we were looking at at moving a particular company over from another another lending institution and um said lending institution it was a it was a one of the mega banks and their their loan pricing was just incredibly cheap um their they weren't charging any fees and so we were having a hard time um creating an economic incentive for the company to to move and they said well hey we like you guys but you're not you're not showing us any value outside of kind of a relationship based approach and while there is value there, we, we need to have a good reason economically too. And so we said, well, okay, let's, let us take a creative approach. And as we dove into the, uh, uh, to the data and we understood there, it appeared to be a, a, a nice, um, IC disc opportunity. And so we, uh, thanks to, to you and your firm, Dave, for answering some silly questions. We yeah. <laughs> we ended up introducing them to you guys, and and y'all made us look like heroes and export tax advisors, and you really made us look good. And so they they in in many ways gave us credit for uh, for some tax savings that you helped them achieve. So <laughs> thanks for that. Well, hey, that's uh, that's okay. So did they end up becoming a customer then? They did. They they've become a customer, and they've been a good long term loyal customer for uh, for about about eight or nine years now. And, uh, and I think, you know, the money, the money that that client has paid to us and interest expense and bank fees and other things over, over the past eight or nine years, it's been offset tenfold by the, uh, by the savings that they've achieved through their IC disc. So they, they, uh, they really, really look at us fondly. That is awesome. So does that mean they don't they don't beat you up on uh, on, uh, on 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 twenty basis points uh, every chance they get? That's that's right. They they uh, they have a little more tolerance for for our 
uh, our desire and need to uh, to make money as a bank and uh, <laughs> don't fight us over over twenty basis points. Awesome, that is awesome. So you had mentioned mentioned earlier that uh, you know that there's a number of ways that you seek to help your clients. Uh, uh, you know, aside from non-banking things such as, uh, you know, tax incentives in general, you know, be it the IC disc or, or some other incentive, uh, you know, insurance, uh, uh, you know, other things. So I'm just curious, what do you, what do you look for in a firm in general that if you were looking to refer some non-banking services to, uh, what, what, what matters to you, uh, or, or what do you look for? Is it, uh, you know, they're, they're, how fancy their offices are, how many years they've been doing it, how how pleasant they are to work with, uh, how responsive they are. What uh, what what do you use as your criteria to, to kind of choose those partners? Well, certainly all of the aspects that you mentioned uh, are, are important, and I think can factor into the equation. But I, I think one one word and one idea really rises above the rest, and that and that's trust. Um, okay. and I, I'd say, especially in the situation that I just described, I was a young banker at the time and, um, and, and fairly inexperienced, but I, 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 uh, had developed a, a high degree of trust and, and, uh, in a potential business partner. And so being able to, with confidence, introduce someone who is outside of the bank, a third-party service provider, and say, hey, I, I, I think these guys or this group of people or this lady is going to be good to know and can help you with your business with confidence is makes all the difference in the world. And I, I don't know, I don't know at what point relationships reach that it's more of a feel than a, than a kind of a, a, a checklist that you hit or a particular or a particular inflection point. But, um, but whenever that feeling of trust is, is reached, I think there's uh, that, that's, that is, that's what makes that third party non-banking kind of service provider really elevate themselves to someone I want to introduce to, clients, friends, um, in pr- prospective clients, et cetera. Uh, but I, but I think some of the other, some of the other items that you mentioned as well, um, are they good to work with? Well, yes, that's, that's hugely important. That, that speaks to the, the level of confidence and, and their ability to execute, which if they can execute for me, well, then I feel confident they can execute for my client. Um, and then the, the amount of experience they have, um, I, I think that goes without saying that somebody that has seen almost everything out there really can add value um, at a level where someone who has, you know, three to five years of experience just never will be able to. No, that 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 makes sense. And because yeah, I guess at the end of the day, when you make an introduction to somebody uh it's you're putting your reputation on the line every time aren't you that, that that's right and i think i think there's you know there's two ways to learn that lesson there's the there's the hard way 
yeah. especially when you're young and inexperienced. Although I guess you can learn that same lesson when you're when you have 30 years of experience too. Uh, but you certainly are putting your reputation on the line, and and uh, you have to be careful with that and thoughtful with it. Yeah. Yep. I, I know. I know that from from our businesses and introductions we make as well. We have a similar philosophy as the bank in that you know we we just do one thing. You know the IC disc, but there's lots of ways that our clients can benefit from uh, people we know. So we're uh, yeah. I, I know that feeling of putting your own reputation on the line. So what I like to do now is change gears a little bit and and get a little bit into the banking nitty gritty of IC disc. And the reason I ask this is that so many times when we uh, have a new client that comes on board, uh, you know, probably only five percent of the time the client comes to us from a banker referral. It's typically it's mostly an existing client and then followed by probably their CPA firm is kind of the next biggest source of new clients. But an interesting thing happens, uh, you know, so for the, the 95% of the time that the bankers didn't introduce us, uh, at some point in the first few months, we invariably get a call from the banker who has a little to no IC disk experience and we need to help them out. And, and I don't say that, um, you know, with any negativity or, or criticism, because it's just a very, uh, you know, niche part of the tax code. And, and I always tell the bankers, you know, they, they, they feel kind of bad because they feel like they should know about this. And I try to convey to them that, 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 that they shouldn't. And, and most bankers, uh, most bankers don't. And, um, but since you've had some experience for, you know, for a number of years uh, with IC disc and with your clients, I'd kind of like to talk about, like loan structure, you know, deal structure for the, you know, the different types of, of IC disc. And, and honestly, I'm asking this because I myself don't really fully understand it because, you know, the, these bankers will call, they'll ask me some questions. I think I know the direction they're going, but I never really know kind of for sure how they're looking at the IC disc. So that's what I'd kind of like to, like to, uh, to talk about. So, so, so let's just start with like, um, uh, a flow through corporation, an S corp or LLC or partnership um, that has an IC disc, and that typically that the operating company owns the IC disc. What will you all do for loan structure, loan covenants to kind of factor in the fact that they have an IC disc? And then I'm going to contrast that with uh, a C corporation where the individual shareholders uh, own the disc, and maybe kind of contrast if you handle those the same or if you handle them uh, differently? Well, Dave, there's no, there's no question that, um, that the, the mechanics and some of the, the different structural considerations for an IC disc can impact um, how, how loan structuring can work within the context of the disc. Um, and so I'm happy to try to, Kind of walk through that and how we've looked at it in the past. Um, I, yeah. uh, I actually, I, th I actually think it's easier to to start with the um, with that flow through corporation where um, where the shareholders own the uh, the disc, and because it's the the problems are I think more 
they're more clear and the and the solutions are a little more clear. Um, okay. But 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 first, just a couple of comments. I, I think um, I think it you know it took us a, a period of time to get comfortable with the mechanics and how to how to craft covenants um, and uh, flow of funds and and then also how to really set expectations and communicate with the with the owner of the company uh, around around kind of a a uh, a structure that we could both that both the bank and the and the owner could be good with and and then still met kind of IC disc requirements so you know just okay probably the bigger piece was understanding and communication to your point you know bankers aren't aren't uh, IC disc or, or tax ex- experts in any way and so you know those those two those two components are have their challenges so um back to kind of the disc structure uh, i th- i think the the two main components that that get impacted in a in a banker's view on a disc are are things that are really important to us because because we we care generally we're loaning money to that company otherwise you don't have the banker involved um, sure and uh, and so if you're loaning money to the company you likely care about cash flow uh, and things that impact cash flow and capital structure and things that impact capital structure so okay. um, so to address both of those points uh, cash flow. You, you know, when the disc is is uh, is active, and there are, there are disc commissions being paid out to that uh, to that that other the the disc entity, uh, it's there's a there's a reduction in perceived cash flow by all standard definitions, and so mm-hmm. uh, one one thought is to amend the definition of cash flow to uh, to capture uh, commissions being paid to the disc, and you can do it very simply in, in naming those disc commissions, um, or or you can do it in a slightly more complicated way, where it, the uh, the 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 shareholder is contributing back um, the excess disc commissions over their individual tax liability to the company and capture that, that, uh, the Delta there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then a, a, a fairly similar concept around, uh, that contribution back to the, uh, to the operating company, uh, from the shareholder that's, that's frequently done in the form of sub debt. And so the bank would need to, uh, to contemplate, uh, subordination of that debt or subordination of those funds that are coming back into the company uh, from the shareholder and uh, what what form they're going to take if they're if it truly will be kind of a debt form with a note formalized or if it's really more of equity um, and so the, the owner's willingness to subordinate that that debt if it is in fact debt is uh, is is a component of that too and so that's that's Part of that's the discussion and the communication piece that I referenced earlier. Okay, that 
that that makes sense. I uh, uh, I was familiar with the uh, um, you know with some of that, but but like amending the definition of cash flow, I, I hadn't heard of that approach. But it makes uh, perfect sense. It's like you're trying to normalize the cash flow, uh, uh, kind of like when a company's looking to to sell, they'll you know kind of normalize the cash flow by adding back. Uh, you know, like owner uh, perks and such that uh, like a, a, a large corporate buyer wouldn't be paying. So it seems like that's a kind of a similar approach to sort of normalize the cash flow. Did I understand Ab- that correctly? Absolutely. That's 100% right. Is, is that a, it's a, it's really an expense that can, that's controllable and to the point where it could, it could really be turned off if needed to, uh, at some point to uh mm-hmm. to provide that additional cash flow I, you know in our view the the overall picture of cash flow isn't really changing uh but the presentation of it might be so that's how we okay. well, that, yeah that makes sense and so and then i'm guessing then that that the situation that the other situation we see frequently that would have to be easier is when you have a flow through corporation like an S corp where the flow through corporation itself owns the disc so that the disc is effectively just a wholly owned sub of the operating company. And so that the you know commission gets paid to the disc, but then the disc returns the money immediately to the company as dividend income. I'm guessing that's easier to get uh, comfortable with. Um, is that a fair assumption? It, it is, um, with the assumption that that you're you've got uh, accounting um, presentation that's accurate and and a, a large enough and and hopefully sophisticated enough accounting firm to to document and explain that in the notes to the financial statements every year. I think that's okay. that's where there's there is frequently confusion is. Um, is you know company prepared financial statements may present the information accurately but when there's when there's not those added notes um there there is you know bankers are going to ask questions so we would we would do the same thing in many of those in many of those positions um to to uh, to make sure we understand okay that 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 makes sense so it's in the you need to make sure that the financials uh, appropriately reflect that, um, uh, you know, that, that structure and the uh, timing and the receipt of the dividend income uh, by the operating company. Uh, yeah, that that's accurate. I I think you know we see and Dave, you're, um, you know, any any clients that you've ever had experience with um, in the world of IC disc. I, I think we've seen companies that are really nice size uh, larger middle market private privately held companies two three four hundred million dollars a year in revenue um, and sophisticated uh, internal accounting and uh, and financial reporting capabilities have uh, good uh, well-known and well-respected CPA firms doing audited financial statements every year follow gap guidelines and uh, and then Kind of on the on the smaller end of that, um, you have kind of small, really small businesses down in the ten to fifteen million dollar a year revenue space that um, 
maybe feel a little more mom and pop. They're frequently great companies and uh, really well run and 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 doing high margin work, but they they have maybe a little less um, a little less controls, uh, a little less documentation, and and really at that size, they're um, they're likely with a smaller CPA firm with and not required to produce audited financial statements, which is fine. We see that too. Uh, just the information is less available and apparent uh, in those situations. Mm-hmm. That that makes sense. And I don't I don't know if if I've ever shared this with you, but probably three quarters of our ICDS clients don't borrow money. So uh, and it's one of the the, the reasons that. Uh, that oftentimes the the so that does two things. One is if they're not borrowing money, I'm probably uh, uh, I'm probably not thinking about uh, you know a, 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 an introduction to to another banker because uh, you know without borrowing money, they're just not as uh, you know seem as compelling of a customer. But the other thing that does is a, it seems like many of our clients are the largest client of their CPA firm. You know we have clients that. You know, have a hundred million dollars a year of revenue, five, six, seven, eight million dollars of taxable income, and their CPA firm is uh, a tax guy working out of the spare bedroom of his house. And uh, but it's because because they don't borrow money. There's not a bank requiring you know audited or reviewed financial statements, and all they use the CPA for is just preparing the corporate and uh, individual tax returns. Well, I, I'd, I'd say we we see lots of customers that fit that profile. And I, Dave, I don't, um, I know you 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 may not you pay more attention to uh, IC DISC and IRS tax code changes, but um, in the banking world, deposits are sexy again these days. Uh, so. Oh, are they? Okay, that's <laughs> good to know. <laughs> now that interest so some, rates are above z- above zero, they're more uh, deposits are more attractive. That's that's right. I, there's a there's a reason they're above zero. There, it's a, it's supply and demand. <laughs> I, you've got um, you've got many banks out there who are seeking to grow their deposit base and uh, and fund their uh, fund their loan growth with uh, the cheapest cost capital available, and that's generally demand deposits from operating accounts for many of these companies. So um, they. It, if you if you notice any of your uh, any of your customers not generating some level of return on their uh, on their cash balances, they uh, they should be talking to their bank or a new bank. Hmm. That's uh, that's. Thank you for that. That is really good to know. I guess I've kind of just gotten lulled into a sense of complacency that uh, that banks don't care about deposits, and um, so. Uh, and, and and that may and of course you know I don't think any bank ever said we don't care about deposits, but th- there was a sense that I I would receive from banks not just Amogee but but others you know four five six years ago that um, deposits weren't as as sexy as uh, as loaning money. Well, you 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 read the tea leaves a hundred percent correctly on that. Uh, I think rates were so low for so long and. That uh, most most bankers didn't want to talk about deposit rate deposit rates because there was nothing to talk about. So the, sure. the winds the wind shifted. Okay, well that is uh, that is is good to know. So uh, so clients that have uh, that have substantial uh, uh, 
uh, deposit balances, uh, they should actually be making some money on that. Is what I think I hear you saying. They they should, and I, I'm not a I'm not a rate expert, and nor am I licensed to really talk about specific rates. But I, I know um, kind of the last check I saw as of this morning, uh, many of your overnight rates were um, anywhere between kind of one and two to slightly above two percent, just depending on what uh, what those balances were in. Um, and, and of course, I'm referring to kind of larger dollar. Uh, clients uh, that have sure. excess cash to uh, to sweep into uh, into accounts to earn interest. Okay. Well, that's uh, that that is that is very good to know. Um, so I'm just making a note of that. So so deposits are sexy. That's uh, that's a good thing to to know. Um, <laughs> that's a great title. Yeah, deposits are sexy. Um, so I guess as we're we're kind of nearing the end here, is there? Uh, uh, I want to just talk. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but as far as the type of clients that that you and the bank are best able to serve, uh, I'd like to talk just a bit more about what the characteristics are of the client you can most help. The the example you gave earlier, you were talking about that the. Your customer was with one of the mega banks. They had great rates. You couldn't really match the rates and and uh, you know some of the fees and stuff that, that they were you know waiving or reducing. That made it really difficult for you to compete, kind of on on just pure price. Um, so, so is that still kind of the kind of the case that that uh, that you know competing on price is uh, is because I guess there's always somebody willing to do something cheaper, right? And um, so how do you, so with that in mind, what are the characteristics you look for um, where you really can, can help, uh, you know, a company? Well, you're, you're, you're right. It is hard to compete solely on price at times. Um, and it's generally not a great position to be in uh, because of the point you illustrated. There's, uh, depending on the time, there's always somebody willing to be cheaper. And, um, and so I, I think we're, where we do get really aggressive on price and actually in that prior situation, we, we matched price. Um, uh, but we just, we weren't going to let it be a race to the bottom. We wanted to show that we could provide some value in other ways. And that was a, that was a more meaningful discussion with the client. So that's, that's kind of where we, okay. where we focused our efforts. Um, and I, and I'd say in, in looking at, uh, at looking at, at existing clients and potential clients of, of Amogee, we um, we largely focus our efforts on privately held, and which means in many cases family-owned businesses. Uh, and and the, the core of the bank was really built on on businesses, you know, ten million to five hundred million in revenue. And that's a pretty wide swath, um, depending on who you talk to. That that's defined as middle market uh, companies or lower middle market companies, if you're talking to a, a big bank. Um, but we really like that sweet spot. That's how the, that's how the bank was, was really built. And then over, over the years, uh, we added on uh, ancillary service offerings to take care of, of uh, the needs that 
companies and company owners uh, ran across in that space. Um, one, we, we've got to be able to serve bigger than that. So we have a, uh, we have a, a syndicated, um, syndicated loans desk where we can lead syndications, very, some very large syndications. Um, many of those are for family-owned, privately held companies that have, that have grown substantially past that, uh, that revenue uh, bandwidth. Um, but then we also have a have a great and growing uh, small business portfolio uh, companies that are less than ten million dollars in revenue, uh, and I, I think from a just from a differentiation uh, from our competition in the market, Amogy has really really tried to maintain uh, consistency of approach with our clients over the years, um, and and not take a flavor of the month kind of attitude. Um, we, we want to be competitive and we want to earn a uh, potential client's business and we want to make our existing clients happy um, through our, our service level. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's industry and other challenges to, to that um, personnel. It's never fun when, when somebody leaves, but, um, but that does happen at times. And, and I, I think we have a really unique uh, approach from a, from kind of a, the executive team all the way down to the, the the baby bankers, I'll call them, um, on how we how we try to take care of clients. And um, uh, it's 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 not perfect. We're not perfect, but we we work really hard to communicate well to um, to uh, to to really take a lot of effort. In, uh, in thoughtful approaches in how we bring value to our clients, and, and in, in many many cases, sometimes it's just staying out of the way. Uh, our, we, we like to okay. think we we chase uh, we chase companies and company owners that are are uh, uh, top of their niche or top of their industry, and um, and we're just there to help. Um, and so we, sometimes we can offer advice that's really valuable. And sometimes it's them picking up the phone and saying, Hey, I, here's what I need you to do. Uh, can you make this happen? And, uh, and it's a lot of fun to, to be able to say yes in those situations. Okay. Well, that, that really, uh, I think gives some, <clears throat> some insight into the, to the types of companies that you're, uh, uh you, uh, play best with or work best with. Um, well, I guess as we wrap up here, is there anything I didn't ask you that you think uh, needs to be mentioned? Well, certainly not about the IC disc. I, I, I think if my uh, if my the depth of my knowledge around IC disc was tested any further, I, I'd, I'd be exposed. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So the, uh, the the I only have one more question for you, and I think this one will be pretty easy for you. Uh, what's your contact info, email address, and uh, phone number? Sure, happy to share that. That is easy. Thanks for finishing that way. Um, so, again, my name is Adam Treyweek, and uh, my my direct office line is two eight one two three eight seven one four eight, and my email address is Adam dot Treyweek T R A W E E K at amogeebank.com and for anybody outside of texas that doesn't know how to spell amogee it's a-m-e-g-y excellent yeah it's kind of one of those uh those made-up names um uh 
because I remember when you all rebranded. Um, yeah. uh, and I remember one of your colleagues, I was asking about the name and I remember he said, he said, I know it sounds kind of peculiar, but over time it'll sound very normal. And, uh, and he was, <laughs> and he was right. It, it really uh, has. It really has. So, uh, there was one more question I was going to ask you, your contact info. Uh, oh, um, so are you generally amenable? So say some CFO or business owner of a, you know, a company in the, the Houston area or even in Texas, uh, would like to just call you and just, you know, pick your brain on, on something. Are you generally amenable to, to those calls or do you have a strict screening process that they have to jump through, you know, 10 steps to talk to you on the phone? No, I generally amenable. Uh, I, uh, I try to do a, a good job of being in my office and returning phone calls within 24 hours if I'm not. Um, but I'd love to love to talk to people and love to meet new uh, new owners, CFOs, um, people who are curious about ways to uh, to add value to their company. And um, and if I can be some small part of that, uh, that's that's a that's a lot of fun for me. So happy to take any and all comers. Well, that is great. Well, Adam, I appreciate you uh, you spending some time to uh, to to talk to me on the IC Disc Show. And Dave, I hope you it was, have a great. It was really great. Oh, this was this was a lot of fun. Well, good. Well, it was it was fun for me as well. It was fun for me as well. So, uh, well, well, you have a great day then, and I'll uh, talk to you soon. Thank you, Dave. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. There we have it. Another great episode. Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation go to icdiscshow.com. That's ic-d-i-s-c-s-h-o-w.com. And we have additional information on the podcast, archived episodes, as well as a button to be a guest. So if you'd like to be a guest, go select that and fill out the information. And we'd love to have you on the show. So that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of the IC Disc Show.